although they're one person, they can make an impact. They just have to figure out what that impact can be. That was Vicki Bolson, founder and president of the Bolson Group and the host of the Taking Care in Business podcast. We'll hear more from Vicki on episode 17 of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dix. There's a new approach to doing business called the Certified B Corp Movement. You may not have heard about it. It's relatively new. The B in B Corp stands for benefit. B Corps around the world are redefining what makes a successful business as a source for doing good. Inc. Magazine calls the B Corp certification the highest standard for socially responsible businesses. B Corps strive to merge profit, purpose, and environmental sustainability. They voluntarily meet standards of transparency, accountability, and social and environmental impact. B Corps are certified through an extensive application process by an international nonprofit called B Lab. You can learn more at bcorporation.net. Here in Indiana, several companies have already completed their B Corp certification. Others are in the process. And the Bolson Group led the way as Indiana's first certified B Corp. Vicki Bolson, the founder and president of the Bolson Group, began our conversation telling me how she decided to have the Bolson Group become a certified B Corp. I was steered to that because a consultant suggested that Bolson Group become B Corp certified, and I had no idea what she was talking about. And so I myself did a little research and loved the idea that I could take the assessment just to learn more. We had been in business about five years at that point, and I was being very purposeful about trying to start and maintain and run a business that was, you know, just meaningful. It was a great place for my team members to work, but was also doing um, good things with with our partners and our community. And so I just, I took the assessment because I wanted to learn more about things that socially responsible companies were doing. And it's kind of wild because it, to be certified, you only need 80 points out of 200. So it kind of seems like, oh, that'll be easy peasy. But when you actually dig in and you start doing the assessment, you see how deep social responsibility can go and that there are so many different facets of it. At the end of taking the assessment, which by the way, took me about five months because I would do a little at a time because as I was going along, I would answer a question and I'd say, we do that. And then, you know, it would do skip logic to the next thing. Like, well, okay, if you do that, do you have it in your handbook? Oh, well, I'm going to add it to the handbook. And so then I'd go back and then I'd say it's in the handbook. And then it would be when you onboard a new employee, do you make sure they're aware of this? Oh, well, that's a good idea. We should add that to our onboarding plan. And so it would kind of move along a little slowly as I institutionalized some of the things I was learning from the assessment. And so at the end, when we had more than 80 points, and I felt so grateful for the opportunity to take the assessment. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting certified. I mean, I felt like it was one of the biggest accomplishments that Bolson Group could, could have and went ahead and got certified. And it was funny because B Corps are a certification. The legal entity is a benefit corporation. You can only imagine when it was announced that Bolson Group was the first B Corp certified company, how people were confused because it was the exact same time that the Benefit Corporation 
as a legal entity was being put into law in Indiana. And so I was getting phone calls and emails like, can you have coffee with me and explain? And I became pretty passionate about it because of that confusion and because I was proud and 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 did a you know webinars and was on panels and different things to kind of try to sort that out for people. But the benefit corporation is is the one that's the legal entity and B Corps is a certification. They're very similar, but they are different. Explain a little bit about the mission of the B Corp certification and and what that designation really means to the consumer or to other businesses when they see a business like yours that is B Corp certified, because like you say, it's not easy to attain that certification. Yeah, well, there's five areas that they focus on in the certification. There is your workplace culture, your customer relations, governance and transparency, the environment, and the community. The questions are in those five areas, and I mean, Every company is so unique and different and has such different mission and values that I think that's why, you know, you need 80 points because a company could be really strong in one area, but not so strong in another. For instance, we were the weakest in environment. And I think that was because we were leasing our space. So we couldn't, you know, have solar panels and collect rainwater and things like that. But it did challenge us to figure out how we could be environmentally impactful because it, it, the, the questions sort of, you know, it's not just you, I mean, I did, you can just answer them, but when I would answer them, I would learn from them. I would learn that, oh, okay, well, we can't do that but they're asking this, which we can do. So we're gonna start doing this. So those are the five areas. And um, like I said, some, you know, score better in some categories and and not in others. And the nice thing about the B Corp certification process is it's meant to be an evolution as people continue to try to raise their scores and maintain their scores, correct? Yes, you have to be recertified. The first time that we were recertified, it was two years later. And I loved it. It was a lot of work again, but I loved it because we, we, you know, we measure everything we do. And so it was a great opportunity to review the impact that we had made and to reevaluate how we could be even more impactful in future years. And then we just went through the recertification last year. Again, they did change it to every three years, which was great. But I think also an indication that this B Lab is, you know, just bombarded with new companies that are trying to be certified. And so they they have to sort of scale certifying and recertifying people. And so they they change that to every three years for those that are already certified. We've we've talked about the B Corp aspect, but let's talk a little bit about Bolson Group in general, because it's not a, a company one would think of as some of these companies like Patagonia or Tom Shoes, who is manufacturing a, a hard, tangible product. You're sort of in the idea business, correct? Yeah, professional services. Um, and there are quite a few professional services companies that are certified. In fact, there are companies that are sole proprietorships that are B Corp certified. And then there are, like you said, big corporate like Patagonia that are certified. There's a little bit of everything in between. And that's what's super cool about it. You don't have to be in any certain kind of business 
to be socially responsible. You don't have to be any certain size or in any certain part of the, the country or the world to be B Corp certified. By following her passions, Vicki's life journey ultimately led her back to Indianapolis and helped her to create the Bolson Group as a socially responsible company who serves other socially responsible businesses. Vicki shared her founder's story with me. I grew up in Indiana, but I moved to New York City um, after I graduated college. And I worked in corporate America and also for different public relations firms. And then when I had my three kids, I decided that I, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I also waited long enough to have kids that I loved my career and I wanted to work. And so I thought the only way to do it would be to you know, freelance or be an independent contractor. So that's what I did. I worked, but I stayed home for a good you know, dozen or so years. And what I found over all those you know, years of working in corporate America and very, for, for various companies of different sizes and freelancing was that what really motivated me and moved me the most was doing any kind of social impact client work. You know, working with nonprofits or someone that had a charity function attached to what they were doing. And so when I started Bolson Group, I knew that I wanted to work with clients that motivated me. It was kind of that they had a, a mission and, and really it was kind of like, I want to work with not-for-profits. I really hadn't owned yet where we are today. So there was that part of it. The other part of it was that I wanted really, really badly to make a difference. And if I hired people, I wanted them to be happy. I wanted them to want to come to work, to have a good time, to, to produce great work, to be paid well, to be cared for. And so when I started Bolson Group, about five years into it, when I became B Corp certified, I realized, okay, I never really put a meaning to all this, but as I was taking the B Corp assessment, I realized, okay, that's the word, socially responsible. It was just in me. It wasn't that I was assigning any kind of a mission or value to the kind of company we were. And that was getting B Corp certified really kind of defined and put words into what it was I was trying to do. And that is when we changed to our now, you know, mission and values, which is unified marketing for good. And it's really evolved over the last five or six years that we've been B Corp certified. It's become more and more uh, defined to me what it means for everyone that's involved, all the stakeholders. It guides every decision I make now, which I'm so grateful for because I didn't go to business school. You know, I was a communications major at DePaul University. And then I, you know, went off and worked and started this company. And I didn't have all those tools that some people who start companies have. I was just this woman who wanted to take her, her ability to provide for her family and was grateful that I could get enough clients that I could hire some people and give them an opportunity to have a paying job as well. And so it was very meaningful to me when I felt like I was coming into focus by having this B Corp certification. 
As a part of the transparency process, Bolson Group reported that they donated 108 volunteer hours to our community and over 5% of their revenue in 2019. And now a brief message from our sponsor, AD Growth Advisors, an executive coaching and advisory firm based in Indianapolis. I work a lot with idealistic founders of B Corps, benefit corporations, and nonprofits. These are people who are passionate about doing good work done well for the right reasons. Founders quickly come to realize that the hardest part about business is often working with other people. I help these executives understand themselves and the people that they interact with using a powerful psychological assessment called the Reese Motivation Profile. The RMP outlines your value systems that are always at work creating your unique worldview while you're working. It describes your core nature and explains why you do what you do. Most executives are really surprised to see how extreme their values are and their motivations compared to most other people they work with. We can use RMP data to help increase inclusive collaboration in a team and also assess role compatibility for succession planning and more. If you'd like to find out more about our approach to helping you be your best at doing your good, visit our website at adgrowthadvisors.com. Now back to our conversation with Vicki Bolson, founder and president of Indianapolis's Bolson Group on the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. So help me out here, Vicki, and give me the Vicki Bolson definition of being socially responsible. I think it's just doing right while being aware of your the impact you have on all the stakeholders involved in your in that specific decision. You know, it's being conscientious of every decision you make that it will impact stakeholders in a positive way. How have you experienced the fact that uh, doing good can be good for business? I never thought that working in the marketing, advertising, public relations industry was going to save the, the, the world. And I think that oftentimes working in that industry can be perceived as not being very honest and authentic. And that kind of, you know, bothers me. It bothered me seeing shows where they'd have like a PR person being portrayed in a way, you know, in a movie or something that was so not what I embody. Being in the industry for 20 years before I started my company, I saw a lot of things that I didn't, didn't like. I felt like I could do business differently and 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 do it for companies that are doing good. So we would do good by them doing their good. And I mean that's what we do. And I think because the our missions are aligned, it, there's a synergy and a um, relationship that's developed that of trust that is more enjoyable for everybody to work within that framework and a, a sense of purpose that we all have in telling the stories, you know, and reaching the audiences that really care about what, the, what, what it is we're trying to 
sell them or move them to action on or whatever it is that we're trying to do, which is very meaningful. Give me an example or two of maybe some clients that you've worked with here recently who have been able to combine their mission with their message to help achieve their business goals. I mentioned earlier that we had a hard time when we were getting certified in the environmental section. And I happened to meet over the course of the past eight months, an amazing guy who started a company called Carbon Neutral Indiana. I thought, I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to find out what our carbon offset is and I'm going to make Bolson Group carbon neutral so that although we're at home and that's easier to do, that I have committed to being carbon neutral so that when we go back to an office setting, we can remain carbon neutral. And so I think that's an example of someone's mission that aligns with our mission. And that's the kind of relationship building that that we like to do. I really believe in what he's doing, what this company is doing. He's got a lot of traction with households and businesses and universities that are considering going carbon neutral or at least offsetting some of their carbon footprint. Because it was a company goal, then it became this kind of partnership that really is fulfilling for myself as a business owner, but I think meaningful to those team members that I have. It'll be great when we're recruiting, you know, and we're growing to be able to tell this new generation coming in that really cares about the environment, hey, we're a carbon neutral company. I mean, everybody wants to work for a company that, you know, they're happy at and they feel wanted and and fulfilled and and maybe their job has meaning, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? And and that's what I found is that for recruiting and retention, being a socially responsible company is great, which ultimately, you know, saves us money because if we have loyal team members who are super happy and they don't leave, then we don't have to hire and retrain. And so it's kind of a cyclical effect that I really believe in. You know, you do right and people will do right by you. So, Vicki, with this added responsibility of being socially conscious and aware in your company, what additional burdens or challenges does that place on you as you try to serve your clients through marketing and messaging and public relations? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, we're, we, we look at the triple bottom line. So that is people and planet and profits. Profitability is clearly important. You have to be profitable so you can pay your team and you can, you know, have nice things. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. I don't think our things are going to be as nice as they were because I've certainly learned over the last 10 years that it's the work, not the place you're doing the work from. So I've learned a lot there. But anyway, to go back to my um, people, planet and profits, I'm not trying to get rich here. It's so much more important for me to have an impact and to feel fulfilled in my daily life. Yeah, I want to pay my bills and I want to go on vacation and I want to put my kids through college. I want to do all those things that everybody wants to be able to do, but I am way more fulfilled and happy by knowing that I have an impact on not just the, you know, my internal team, but the external world. And do you feel 
a responsibility to make sure that your clients are being authentic and not trying to just take advantage of a trend and and sort of greenwashing maybe something that that really isn't intended to be socially responsible? It has never been a problem. And I think that's because I wouldn't entertain working with a client or a cause or a mission if I didn't know that it was not, in fact, authentic. So what ultimately happens is our clients are, you know, we have a lot of nonprofits with longstanding missions. I mean, we work with, you know, the Ronald McDonald House and the Nature Conservancy and Girls Inc. Um, You know, these are longstanding nonprofits with missions that we probably could rattle off pretty easily. And when we work with a company that is a for-profit, the sweet spot for us is a, it's kind of like a 100 to 500 size company. Often when they're, when they're not public, they're more impactful. But the thing is, is that there are a lot of things that companies are doing in the social responsibility space that they don't even know they're doing. I don't think this is anything that's that big of a like, whoa, you know, people are doing this. This, you, You'd be surprised at how much this is innately happening within companies. And, and it's happening more and more and more. And I think it's for a couple reasons. I think the main one is that the new workforce, um, this matters to them. And you're not going to be a good leader if you aren't aware of the people who are going to be working at your company now and in the future, and you aren't molding your company to be a place where they're going to want to work. And the other thing that that I think is interesting is if if a business owner would go to uh, the B Corp website and start just like you going through the questionnaire, as you say, they're doing a lot of this, but a lot of these ideas are just good for business. You don't have to be a bleeding heart here to see the good business sense of some of these practices that people are putting into place. Yeah, totally, totally. And that's why, I mean, I think that being socially responsible, it's it's not brain surgery. I think that it's just good business practices. And that's why I started, you know, my podcast, Taking Care in Business, because I, I really wanted to sort of debunk the myth that, well, if you're socially responsible, you can't be profitable or, you know, I can't be a Tom. You don't have to. You know, there's so many different ways to form a company and authentically market your mission and your cause and remain true to your purpose and your company's mission. And and really, when we were doing, when I was doing panels and, and talks about this, the thing I heard the most was people saying, well, doesn't this cost a lot of money? And it's like, no, it's like it's a business plan that's available on the B-Lab website. By taking the assessment and learning good business practices just by answering questions, you don't have to manipulate anything that you're doing. You just need to give it some order and realize that it's content that people care about. People want to look behind the scenes of businesses. When we post social or human interest type things on our social platforms or write about things like that in our email articles or on our blog, 
And when companies that we work for to market talk about their behind the scenes or what's happening internally, that's the stuff that gets the most movement. People want to look behind the curtain. They want to see how the sausage is made or whatever. And I think that it's telling your story and everybody has a story and everybody cares about the business that they're running or the company that they work for. And there's something there that is the story to tell. And I can guarantee it's a socially responsible story. So if we listen to an episode of Taking Care in Business podcast, what are we going to hear? Well, you'll hear interviews with different um, people from around the world that work for companies of different sizes in different industries. You know, sometimes it's a, a guest that is a CEO of a company that you have heard of, and sometimes it's an author of a book, or it's a startup business, just all kinds, but they always have a message about sort of their definition of corporate social responsibility and how they are using that as a guiding force in their company's mission and values and their decision-making. They're pretty fast um, interviews, 20 to 30 minutes tops. And, and so you can get a little nugget, at least one nugget from every interview that we do that may help you in running your business or in finding a tool to help you run your business or just some kind of advice. Here are co-hosts Kathy Pedrotti-Hayes and Vicki Bolson on the Taking Care in Business podcast, episode 67. Well, we have our guest that I'm excited about, but she brought a guest named Jim Dandy today. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. We have a little... Uh, is that a golden retriever? He retriever. is a golden retriever. 11-week-old okay, yeah. okay. uh, golden retriever. Oh, my gosh. And the cutest So, thing. so cute. And um, it's kind of funny because um, our guest today is Jillian Ashton from the Indiana Canine Assistant Network, which we call ICANN for short mm -hmm. here in Indiana. Um, and so she has to take Jim Dandy everywhere with her yes. because of what they do, which is... Um, so ICANN is meeting two important needs in our communities. Okay. Um, one, they're providing children and adults living with a disability greater independence and an opportunity for a more enriched life by partnering them with the service dog. Mm -hmm. And two, they're preparing offenders to return to our communities better equipped to successfully reintegrate with their families and obtain a job. That's so cool. Yes. You've chosen a very competitive business that typically doesn't have a huge margin. And in Indiana alone, it's ridiculously competitive in marketing and PR. And now you've selected a very, very well-defined niche as well that has to come with its fair share of challenges and adversity. What, what has been some stories maybe about some of the, the things you've had to overcome to be successful? So I would say I did have one company, the CEO, in a meeting. It was kind of an aspirational client. It was a for-profit company that was doing great things in the space and with their purpose and their mission. I'm not going to name who it is because I don't want to out them. But I went and we were talking and, you know, I thought, this is such a great fit. It's a great fit for them to work with us. And it's a great fit for them to be a client. And, you know, half an hour after 
I was talking to the guy, he starts questioning my authenticity with the B Corp and basically saying, you know, this is just a marketing ploy. And I thought, oh my word, I had never had somebody, one, question that, but to question me on top of the company and to get out of that position gracefully and with some poise was was really challenging. But what it was really, you know, did to me afterwards was I thought, here I am, I have put them on this pedestal as an aspirational client just because of their mission. But this is a company that is, it is a marketing tool for them. So he's questioning me if it's a marketing ploy, because for him and his company, it, it was a marketing ploy. And it was so interesting. So I, I point that out as a challenge, because I don't think we're anything great or that I'm judging others because they aren't, you know, B Corp certified. This is just a passion of mine personally. I, I know that every company has a wonderful socially responsible story that they're either doing great things with their employees or they are worried and concerned and building their client and vendor relations. They are concerned about the environment. There's something there. I just chose to go out there and say, we are B Corp certified kind of for selfish reasons, because it helps me to govern and, and manage my company to success. And the fact that it happens to be a professional service company that helps others is just a feather in the cap. So what do you find the most energizing and satisfying about what you're doing? I tell my team, I want you to be better when you leave Bolson Group. Now, I hope they don't leave, but you know, I mean, let's face it, people move on to other jobs, they get recruited away, but I want them to be better. And I don't mean, I mean personally and professionally. I want to have an impact on them that they will, they'll in their internship or their employment at Bolson Group, and they will, they will have been so happy in the job, they will be better professionally, and they will go out into the world and they will maybe do the same for others, that it'll become a cycle effect. That's something that I strive for. That's very, very meaningful to me. I think the other part of it is choosing to work with clients whose mission and values we align with. It's not only fulfilling on a day-to-day basis and doing the work that we do daily, but to see the impact when we deliver a measurement report and we can say, you know, here was your goal, here's how we uh, helped you to meet it and hopefully surpass it. And, you know, that's just, that's meaningful to me to know that the clients that we're working with and the missions that we're marketing are impacting those that they serve. I'm just blessed. I'm blessed beyond belief that I have been able to not only start my own company and be my own boss, but to employ others and to work on these meaningful, impactful missions for for others. I kind of feel like it's my responsibility and that I can do it through the lens of a company and not just as a household or whatever, as a person, as a mom, that I have a bigger megaphone is my responsibility to do right and to do good. So it 
it sounds like, Vicki, you have been very intentional about defining the mission very clearly for Balson Group. And what would you define success to be for you? It's, you know, quality of the work we do, not the quantity of the clients we have. You know, like I said, it's not that I want to have a million dollars in the bank when I move on. It's that I could pay everyone a fair wage, pay my debts, <laughs> pay my expenses, and make an impact. It's much more important to me to have a quality of life than, I guess, a quantity of life and to surround myself with people that think the same way. So what story do you tell to help someone understand the importance of your efforts and the difference that you're trying to make? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm an open book. So I love to read memoirs. And I think I've learned over the last couple of years that I think the reason I really like to read memoirs and autobiographies is because everyone has a story, right? Everybody has hardship and things that cause them pain and who have made them who they are. And so I guess... The thing that has made me who I am, the most impactful things would be when I was young, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and struggled in and out of you know remission and passed away when she was only 39 from breast cancer. And I was 16 and I was going through her illness while having an abusive alcoholic father. And so when she passed away, that's, you know, that was my, my person, my parent. And I had a younger sister and an older brother who was off at college when she passed away. And I kind of became my sister's caretaker because my father was really went off the deep edge after my mom passed away. Somehow, I mean, I look back and I'm like, my God, like I made it to college and I graduated and I, you know, here I am where I am today. So I know that that was something that really has made me who I am. I think I like reading the memoirs because you know when you start to read a memoir that the person survived their hardship to write this book. So it's going to have a somewhat happy ending, right? You know, they're going to talk about whatever happened to them, but they're writing this book, so they've overcome. And I think for me, and that probably is not nearly as difficult as things others have gone through, you know, especially when we look at like the state of the world right now with the pandemic and Black Lives Matter and all these things. But that was a big deal for me when I was going through it. I wanted to survive it and then to be able to learn from it. That's one of the stories. I think the other one is that I married and was married for almost 30 years when I filed for divorce just three years ago. You know, I never went into a marriage thinking that I would not be married for the rest of my life to this person. And it was extremely difficult to arrive at the decision that I was divorcing him, but reached a point where I felt like if I don't divorce him and don't leave him, then my mental and physical well-being is at stake. And therefore, my well-being is at stake for my kids. And that was ultimately what made me brave enough to do it. So those are very difficult things. I think that everybody has their story and their difficult things. And we don't need to be ashamed of them. We just need to have the capacity 
to learn how they have affected us and how they impact the way we view the world and what we're going to do about our responsibility to be someone that's navigating in this world in a positive way. So I have always been a very thoughtful person when I'm making a decision and then how I'm going to make the decision and sort of execute it. And so I do think that those things, I've, I've told people that I wouldn't change anything in my life, that everything that's happened has led me to where I am today. And if they know that my mom died when I was young, they might say, wouldn't you want your mom to be around? And I'm like, I, of course I would. But I know that if my mom would have lived, I don't know if I'd be where I am today because I feel like I would have not risen from the rubble, perhaps because of that life I was living. I might not have had the courage to apply for college because the chaos in my home. I mean, I don't know what would have happened. And so I feel like we have to accept and embrace the things that happened to us, the good, the bad, the ugly, learn from it and move on. And so as, as hard as it might be for people to understand that I wouldn't change anything, that's truly you know, how I feel. And I think if people can get to that point in their life and accept that maybe there wouldn't be as much depression and uncertainty in, in people's lives. So let's go back to your memoir for just a moment. What do you hope the last paragraph says? She made a difference in my life. Excellent. When you think about the role that hope plays as a leader right now, because I think you, you touched on it, business can be a real challenge. Uh, your people are remote and they're not uh, able to rally together like they may have once been able to do. How do you inspire hope in them that, that you'll all get through this together? Yeah, I, you know, leading by example. So, you know, that's the, the main thing is to, and being honest, we have quarterly state of the company meetings where I open the books. And when I say open the books, I don't mean like I do a screen share of our P&L statement, but I give, you know, an overview of where we are, how we're performing, if we've met goals, et cetera. So I've always been pretty open and honest and we have regular times where they know they're going to get the skinny but on a regular daily basis, being honest with them as well. That's very key and important. You know, it's kind of hard sometimes when you're in a position that I am to manage people and know what to tell them and what not to tell them, I guess. And to have, I need to have my people that I can talk to because I can't stand at the water cooler and talk about everything with everyone. So it's having a good person or a good group of people that I can talk honestly and openly about and share. And then from that, that helps me to have my release so that when I am with my people, I can be honest, but I can also have hope because those others that I rely on, they're kind of my therapy to make me realize the blessings that I do have so I can be hope-filled when I'm, I'm talking to my team. What do you think is the number one way that an individual can make a substantial difference in our future here in the city of Indiana? I think it's to find the passion within themselves of what matters to them, an interest or the mission, 
that they either care about or they realize they can be impactful in that area. And then extending their resources, whatever those are, whether that's time or it's money or knowledge, you know, whatever it is, and not thinking that they're just one person and that they're not going to make a difference. You know, they can serve on a board, they can volunteer. What is it that you can do? Because it takes a village or whatever that, you know, that is. So you've chosen to be here in Indianapolis and not on Madison Avenue. And what gets you most excited and hopeful about our future here? My hope is that people are getting more educated about issues and they're taking the time, whether I agree with them or not, to become passionate about their own belief system. And I'm hoping that because I see more and more companies having their executive directors or presidents or CEOs be impactful to the people that they can affect doing so because they've had to be that voice and they've had to step up and lead more so than they ever have because of the pandemic, that that will all come together and have the the citizens of Indiana being more thoughtful in figuring out what it is they believe and getting engaged in whatever change it is that they think need needs to be made. We've got a ways to go. I mean, all the way from like people who feel like wearing masks is, is not something they're going to do because it interferes with their rights. But we've, we have many people who think otherwise. And I think if we can all be open-minded and open-hearted and have these conversations about these matters and other things like Black Lives Matter and and show that we can be patient. Because when, you know, when push comes to shove, I see a lot of good things happening. I, I see people stepping up and doing the most basic things like making sure their neighbors have food or toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do see it. And I think at a time of crisis that you see more and more and more of that. And so my hope is that the out of all the chaos that we've had over the last year with the pandemic and and just everything, the election and the social injustice, we won't return to normalcy. We'll return to something that's that's bigger and and better and that that will just continue as this next generation comes into the workforce, I guess, because I'll tell you what, I have a 22, a 20, and a 16-year-old. The things that when we talk, that we talk about, the passion they have for some of the environmental and social issues, you know, they're not alone in that. They're not that unique. You know, I'm proud of them because they care about these things, but they're not alone in it. This is that generation. That creates a lot of hope in me that we're going to be able to kind of take all this stuff and just get better and better and that Indiana is, you know, a part of that. So what advice would you have for someone who has a vision of their own for a better possible future for us here in the state? Find your treasures, you know, that you have internally as far as what you can provide, time, attention, finances, whatever it is, and 
then what's going to mesh with your own personal situation and kind of just make a plan. You know, you might be in a position right now where you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working stay-at-home mom or whatever it is, and your kids are, you know, they're younger. You're not going to have that flexibility like you will in five years, say, when they go to school. And, And just, you know, sort of be intentional about thinking about what can you contribute, when can you contribute, how you can contribute, and, and kind of make a plan for it. Because I can guarantee that if you are doing that alongside living your daily life, you're going to be more fulfilled and you're going to impact others by example. So what do you think is the most important point you'd like someone who's listened to our conversation today to take away? I think, Andy, the most important thing for listeners to take away today would be that although they're one person, they can make an impact. They just have to figure out what that impact can be. What challenge would you like to make to our listener to do their part to make a better and brighter future for us here in the state? That they're not alone, that they, what they're facing, that's a challenge or their desire, passion that they have, that is a dream, that it's not overcomable or it's not achievable. And that feeling is not unique. That's a feeling that everybody at some point has faced or will face or faces time and time again. And that within them, they need to address their caution and figure out what it is they need to overcome it. You know, for some people that could be that they find a person to talk to, to to relate to. It could be that, you know, if someone is, needs resources, that they embrace that and they consider how they can find those resources, whether that be physical resources, mental health resources, whatever it is. And then to have within them the faith And I don't know, you know, if it's a religious thing or it's a spiritual thing or a hope thing, but that they can embrace that there is hope for them and within themselves have have the belief that that there is an opportunity for them to come out of this and to be successful. And I think for me, you know, I've always, it's just faith that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And that's what makes you a hopeful Hoosier. Yeah, I think so. If you're wanting to balance profit and purpose with your business, then perhaps think about becoming a certified D Corp. A great place to start is by going to bcorporation.net and take the assessment. You don't have to be a big business to make a big difference as a B Corp. Special thanks to Vicki Bolson of Indiana's first certified B Corp, the Bolson Group. You can learn more about their unified marketing approach at Bolson, I'll spell it, B-O-H-L-S-E-N group.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Indianapolis's own George Middleton. If you've enjoyed this episode, we appreciate your positive comments and ratings wherever you download your podcasts. It greatly helps us to spread our hopeful Hoosier message to others. If you want to stay up to date on future episodes, please like us on Facebook. I hope you'll take Vicki's challenge seriously and choose to do your part to make a better and brighter future for us here in Indiana. 
Until next episode, I'm Andy Dix, your Hopeful Hoosier host. Thank you for listening. The Hopeful Hoosier podcast is a production of AD Growth Advisors Incorporated, an Indianapolis-based executive coaching and advisory firm. Visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. The Hopeful Hoosier podcast, copyright 2021 by AD Growth Advisors Incorporated. All rights reserved.